Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hey friends, today I am bringing you a special guest. Her name is Adeline Dubreuil. She is a fellow Canadian, actually a fellow Maritimer, but she is originally from France and she is an AMI Montessori teacher. So what we're digging into today is mainly around the topic of how to foster independence in the kitchen for your toddler, but we also get into a lot more than that and she really deep dives into the philosophies around Montessori teaching and schooling and how to really help your toddler flourish through play, through setting up the environment. Um, and helping them build their skills in a really positive way. So I am not going to talk a whole lot more about this because the interview says it all. I hope you all enjoy it, and let's just dive right in. Hey, everybody. I am here today with Adeline Dubreuil. She is a certified Montessori instructor, and she runs her own Montessori school here in Halifax. She teaches in, she has taught, I should say, in many different provinces and even countries. And she uses the experience that she's gained over many years and being in many different school systems, both public and private, to run her very own successful Montessori daycare. Now, Adeline and I have worked together in the past, and she continually gets the praises of parents that I know whose kids have gone to her. And she even has taught me so many good tips about how she handles her kids in her Montessori daycare and even gets some practice some mindfulness techniques, which was so cool. So Adeline, I am so happy to have you here. I'm really happy to be here too. Thank you. (laughs) So Adeline, can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about your background and how you got here to Halifax and directing such a successful program? Absolutely. Well, I am originally from France and I have been here in Canada for 13 years now. I came first to Nova Scotia for an exchange program and I was not really able to, uh, to stay back to France and I, I just had to come back. And after that, I also lived in Montreal, Quebec and Vancouver, British Columbia, where I got my um, Montessori uh, diploma the, from the AMI training center. I was uh, an elementary teacher though that was very frustrated because I could feel like something was off. Um, my first classroom, I was alone with 31, eight years old, and I could not reach all of them. Each, you know, like it was not an individualized thing. It was, I had to teach a curriculum. I was not told how to do it. There was some freedom in teaching in France, which I really liked, but I could feel something that was not right. Like, you know, there are some children who had difficulties or they were learning differently. So then I spent a lot of extra time preparing for each and every one of them. And it was kind of like making my personal life inexistent because I was spending so much time trying to reach uh, each child that I had in my classroom. And I was like, there must be another way. But I, you know, I didn't have one. So I kept on doing this for quite some time until... I had the opportunity to sit down in a Montessori classroom with children 
age from three to six years old. Oh, that's so interesting. So can you explain the premise of Montessori teaching to us? So it's, so I could talk about it for hours. I'm going to try to make it short. (laughs) Um, So to me, this is about respecting the child. Uh, Maria Montessori wrote a lot. And yes, she wrote about the classroom material, the trained teachers and everything. But she also, through all of her writings, gives a lot about the development of the child and how for her it's a matter of respect, which is something that really talked to me from what I said before. I felt we were not respecting their needs and respecting them altogether. Um, But to me, I'm going to respect children the exact same way that I respect my colleagues, my husband, my neighbors, the people that I see every day. They're not any different. They're just younger with less life experience, but their brain is a lot faster and a lot better than mine, actually, because they're such absorbent minds. They learn from everything around them, good and bad. So to respect them, we allow them this freedom Freedom doesn't mean free for all. (laughs) It means freedom of movement because they need to move. It means freedom of choices, which is why the adult's job is to prepare this space and this environment. We call it always the prepared environment. So to meet the children where they're at in their development, to let them, to allow them the space to be and to become who they're supposed to become versus make them be who we want them to become, which to me is not really respectful. You know, they were born with a body and a temperament and, you know, some type of genetics, but (laughs) um, they're still a person from birth. And if we allow them the space to be this person and to build their personality from there, then we are respectful. We give them this space to be. And the way it's offered in a classroom, but also at home, because we also do it with our daughter at home, is giving them independence. And we give them the independence to do things that they're able and that they want to do. So um, it's also built on trust. You know, a lot of people are scared. I don't want to give this tool to my child because I'm scared or it doesn't suit me at this time. And it's once again about the adult instead of being about the child. So all this freedom of choices of work or choices of activities to do, choices about where they want to work. Do you want to work on a chair? Do you want to work on the floor? We give them choices like this so they can kind of choose where they want to work, how they want to work. And we talk about work in Montessori, but you can switch work for play. It's, it's all the same thing because the work of the child is to play. So we allow them this space to choose. It gives them independence. And through this independence, you'll see the child starting to focus more because they are really interested. When they start concentrating this way, you see something wonderful that I see in my classroom constantly, and it brings me so much joy to be a Montessori teacher, is to see the child smile as they work. You see them, let's say, build the pink tower. So the pink tower is like 10 cubes that you grade. and you see them building it. And it might not be graded the perfect way, but we never correct. This is a process. We have to respect the process of the learning happening. And you see this smile on their face because they're just so focused on what they're doing. They love what they're doing. They chose what they wanted to do. And this smile is telling me that it's working. 
that they are building from what they're learning and that what they build, which is a very important part with independence, it's their self-esteem. So the whole point for me when I create a Montessori classroom or a Montessori environment in my home is to give my child the space to exist, to be through independence so she can build self-esteem and all that as they grow builds resilience, which right now is very relevant. (laughs) We need resilience to go through harder times while children do not just like They are resilient from birth to a certain extent, but to me, it's not resilience. It's that they're able to adapt. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to give them something more, something that later on, which means that they will be able to be by themselves, do their own thing, but they will also be a productive member of the society, totally able to socialize, to communicate, to work with other people but also able to be by themselves. And that's this balance we're trying to give them all together. And that's what I love about Montessori. It's this whole respect of the child, giving them what they need, meeting them where they are so they can be independent, build self-esteem and resilience. Oh my gosh. Okay. Literally everything you said, I couldn't agree with more. I, think that this is, I feel like every single parent needs to know this. Like, like you said, Montessori, it's like, it helps with parenting, even like those practices and that theory, it is basically a part of parenting. And if we can adopt that, oh my God, I feel like we could make life easier for the kid and probably life a lot easier for us too. And for me, like, even when I talk about, I talk about some different approaches when we are feeding our toddlers, I call it the diplomatic approach in my toddler's course, but basically it is sort of teaching them that, you know what, you have this kind of creative choice, you have this independence, this voice, this opinion that we want you to be able to exercise and we want to respect that and we want you to learn, but within this kind of framework that I've provided for you, this safety, this boundaries, you know, giving you the right opportunities in the right environment and then letting you flourish and letting you kind of grow your skills and and or I should say develop your skills from there. And so for me, obviously, I'm always talking about it within the context of eating, but that makes so much sense to be able to expand that and and apply it to all aspects of learning and development for a toddler. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I find that, and I, I think that's why you and me, you know, really get along this way is because it all works together. I know, you know, like in your courses, you talk about baby led feeding and then division of responsibility. And those are all things that we've done with our own child and that we apply to a certain extent to our students when they eat here as well. It's, it's independence, but it's development of skills, meeting them where they're at, leaving them some freedom, but we need limits and rules. So then we can also live as a, as a group. Exactly. And it's finding this balance. It's, it's so important. Exactly. Now, I think what I want to kind of focus in on today is about the benefits of having kids in the kitchen and how to maybe use some of those principles that you teach in Montessori practices um, in the kitchen to help foster some independence. I, again, talk about this a lot is just the benefits for me when I, when I look at picky eaters, when I look at giving toddlers some more experience with food, starting in the kitchen for me is one of the best places you can start. I mean, especially if you have a toddler who's picky or who doesn't want to even, you know, have something on their plate, let alone eat it. How do we get them in, you know, enticed to be able to do that at some point down the road? Well, for me, I always say, well, 
you know, give them exposure to that food or interaction with that food in a safe environment, in a place where maybe they're not expected, you know, that they have to eat it, or maybe where they haven't experienced pressure before, but they can explore it, they can learn. So for me, it's very important from a picky eating perspective. But it's also important, of course, in terms of fostering those skills of independence, as they become older children and teenagers and adults, we want them to have those skills and abilities in the kitchen to be able to prepare food for themselves and be comfortable working in the kitchen. So how do you use Montessori methods to help children learn and develop these skills and foster an independence there? So I just wanted to say, I so agree with everything you've just said. It's just so important. And, and to me, I'm also very interested in well-being altogether. And I find that food is a major thing in our life. It gives us, you know, like all the balance we need for our body to feel comfortable. And, and when it comes to picky eating and things like that, I'm always like, but what are we, what are they learning through this? You know, if we put pressure on them and we don't give them enough space, do we teach them that certain food have to be eaten? Do we have to offer them choices. It's so like, it's always a little complicated. And I find a lot of parents put themselves pressure, put pressure on themselves, sorry, to make sure their child eats properly. But then within that, you put pressure on the child Mm. to eat and then we kind of remove that whole respect and independence aspect. And it's kind of like a fine limit and it's not easy to put in place. I really find that it's, it is a tricky part. I am blessed with a, a good eater. Um, is it just who she is or is it coming from a whole approach with baby led feeding and division of responsibility? I'll never know where it's coming from, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's, it's good to have a child who loves broccoli, but also loves her chocolate, you know, like she, she has that, that good balance and the way we've approached it in the kitchen in terms of a Montessori perspective is first and foremost, what I've mentioned before, the prepared environment. Mm. So I'm not talking just about like, you know, you're the specialized, you're the one specialized in like picky eating and things like that. And the way we've approached it was this kitchen is not just my kitchen. It's the whole family's kitchen. Oh, and wow. in my case, because I have a classroom in my house, the kitchen becomes my student's kitchen as well. So there are certain things that are going to be off limits in terms of safety and in terms of like respect of the environment, but they do have an environment in the kitchen, which means we have a shelf at their level so they can help themselves. You know, they have their cutting boards and their choppers and their knives, their plates, their glasses, their pitchers with water or milk. They have a basin to put their dirty dishes. And then my job at the end of the day will be to put it in the, the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. But that's, um, that's all about how we can facilitate the environment to be at their level. So then the child doesn't rely on us for everything. Mm-hmm. And not because we don't want to do it for them, but because they want to do it. They want to help. They want to do things for themselves. And if you leave them that space to be, you will realize very early on that they really want to help and they want to do things by themselves. And when they can verbalize it, you'll hear, I can do this by myself. (laughs) Or like, no, let me do it. Yes. 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 That's where it starts. And with an environment that they feel included in, then you also need to give them opportunities. And that's the second thing. For me, it's two things in the kitchen. It's the prepared environment 
and giving them opportunities, which means we trust the child in trying things. We leave them space to try things that maybe we've never had the opportunities to do when we were children, but it doesn't mean that it's not wonderful to let a one-year-old clean the table, that we are going to let a three-year-old cut a whole cucumber with a knife. Once again, the environment is prepared. They have the right tools adapted to their development, but they are, giving, um, they are given these opportunities to get the skills and to develop through them. And I think it can bring so much to families altogether to have a different approach of cooking altogether and a different approach of seeing cooking and dishes and setting the table instead of seeing it as a chore, seeing it as something that is, it's just another activity. Like sometimes we go on a walk, sometimes we cook. Oh, we also have to clean the dishes. Well, you know, whichever you have, whether you have a dishwasher to load and unload, or you have to wash the dishes, it's fun. You put music on, you make it interesting, you make it a family activity, you make it something nice and um, that does not have this kind of negative um, little impact that I find I hear a lot in, in complaints from, from certain families. And like, no, no, we can make this positive. We can make this interesting for children and we can make it nicer for parents because that's my whole goal. It's, I think about the child, but I also think about the parents. I want the parents to feel good about it. I want the parents to love cooking with their child. Doesn't mean you're going to cook always. Like you're not going to cook all the time with your child. There are going to be moments where they're not going to be interested. We also have to respect that. But yeah, I think it can bring so much to the whole family altogether. Yes. Okay. So I agree wholeheartedly. And I, again, really love that you hit on the point of kind of uh, when you allow this to happen, you make it their idea, their almost choice. They can take pride in it and they see it as fun. And I, no, mommy, I want to do it. You know, when they get to that point, you, you don't have to convince them of anything anymore. It's like they are developing again, they're developing that skill. They want to be there. And then now you can work with them. Now you can teach them more. It almost opens up more and more opportunity. And again, almost same thing as what I say when they're at the table, we don't want to say, you know, you have to eat this. You have to eat all of this. You have to eat whatever, you know, kind of place these stipulations and, and orders around what to eat and how much to eat. It's more like, let's make this their idea. Let's make this fun. Let's make this enticing. So taking that exact same premise, bringing it into the kitchen. And that way you have a child who wants to be there, who wants to learn and who will develop those skills. Now I can almost hear people you know, I, I almost can predict what people are going to message me about and say, say to this. And they may say, well, I don't have time to let my toddler, you know, be in the kitchen with me all the time. Or I have a baby to tend to as well. Who's like, I'm holding at the same time. And how do I manage this? How often should I do it to get, get the benefits? What are your tips on that? So that's not an easy question because each child is different. You're going to have children who are going to want to participate constantly and others that are sometimes just going to be like, no, mommy, I want you to come play blocks with me. And really, I don't care that you have to prep dinner. (laughs) Um, So, of course, uh, it means that we have to adapt. It means that it's not going to look like the same every day. And that's the part that is not easy is that we talk to parents about routine and respecting routine, 
But children sometimes also have a mind of their own and depending on how they felt about their day, especially if they haven't been with their parents all day, they want to spend time with them. But it's not going to look the same every day. So certain days, you know, it's going to be like, oh, tonight, I mean, I'm going to give an example that I, I happens here. Tonight, we're going to make a frittata. We have that really nice frittata recipe that we love to do. And she loves it and she knows the ingredients and she fully participates from grabbing the ingredients in the fridge, bringing them. She doesn't know how to measure yet. She's two and a half, but I'm helping her with that. Then she mixes. She, she knows it all. She loves it. And other days I'm going to be like, well, tonight I'm just going to make, you know, like a you know, we're just going to make pasta with like a spaghetti sauce. And she's just going to be like, well, I'll eat it, but I don't want to help you. You know, and I kind of respect that in her development. It means she has something else in mind that she wants to do. Mm -hmm. So now I have two choices. If do I just keep want to push dinner because I have a time frame in my mind and then I know that it's not going to go well because that's not what she had in mind. Or do I kind of let go of my time frame, go with the flow and answer her needs so then I can get back to my supper? So that's my, my, the way I approach it when I feel like it's not going to go with the whole big like, yeah, let's cook and fun together. It means that I'm going to give her attention. She's asking for something from me. She wants that special time, that quality time with mom. I'm going to give it to her. But I'm going to also tell her, okay, well, let's do something together. I also missed you today. I really want to spend time with you. What would you like to do right now? And I'm going to put a timer for 10 minutes for do this together. You give them a time frame, even if they don't understand the 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. You're telling them, oh, I'm going to put a timer on my phone. When it beeps, it's going to be time to make supper. And then you can help me or you can keep playing by yourself. And that usually works really well with my child. And I know that it, it's been working with a lot of parents as well. But always, always make sure that you, if they ask for connection, give them the connection. Connection first. Mm -hmm. Connection before schedule. Connection before, I need my child to be in bed at, you know, 7.02. Well, maybe it will be 7.012. But this 10 minutes of connection you will not get it back if you don't give it now, you know, it's just enjoy the connection, make it a time frame, So then everybody can kind of have, um, like everybody can have their way mm -hmm. in a way. It's like the child gets this quality time. You just please enjoy the quality time. Don't see it as a chore. It's like, I get 10 minutes of free time with my child. How fun is that? and we're going to read books like she's really into books so we we do we read a lot of books sometimes it's building with blocks or magnet tiles and then after 10 minutes the timer rings and she knew about it so now it's like okay let's move on what would you like to do would you like to keep playing by yourself and I go make supper by myself or would you like to help me make supper tonight we could do that together and then go from where they're they're at and if they want to help you and if you feel like doing it quietly you could just like do it nicely if you feel like hey, make make it a fun party would you like me to add music while we are cooking and make it fun so it's it's a whole approach of trying to meet them where they're at mm -hmm. as well and you still get to make supper and you're still you know because you have to get to that and I understand that I'm I'm a mom too it's yeah at some point we need to make supper we need to eat but this need need is putting so much pressure on everybody at the end of the day well, what we want is to try to make a pleasurable, nice evening together. So 
try to to yeah answer their need and then we can get back to uh to what we wanted to do yeah i love that so kind of tending to the most important thing first and then you know doing what you need to do giving them the choice again you're giving them that choice do you want to participate do you want to do something else picking your battles i mean as moms we have to do that all the time <laughs> you need to do that and you have to cut yourself some slack and i know for me my my recommendation in terms of again getting kids kind of exposed to food in that kitchen environment is just start slow, start simple. You know, once a week is a great goal for a lot of parents and kids who have never done this before, right? Like even just coming and maybe just prepping snack. It doesn't even have to be a full meal. Prepping snack in the kitchen is a great place to start or just even doing one little task and then maybe they want to run off, but then you want to call them for like another task, you know, in maybe 10 minutes that you know that they can handle or that they might enjoy. So just um, kind of, yeah, creating that pause space and a positive idea around it is helpful for sure. So speaking of tasks, what do you recommend are kind of age appropriate tasks for kids to do, you know, at different stages? So a lot of times I'll get kind of comments saying, you know, well, my, my child's too young. They're only 18 months old or they're only two years old or, you know, are they too young? If they're one-year-old, how can I involve them in the kitchen? So do you have just some guidelines around what tasks might be appropriate for different ages and how early is too early? To me, there's nothing as too early as long as they have the right tools in hand. You make it safe. Of course, you're not going to give them like a ginzu or stick knife when they're 18 months. That would not be safe. But I think that there's a lot that they can do from the start. I remember myself having Alexis sitting on the floor at like, you know, eight, nine months and just playing with a little pot and a little um, wooden spoon. She would see this in the kitchen. She had her own, you know, like Ikea has a nice set that is really cheap that you can use. You can find them on Amazon as well. And she got to play with this, experiment with it. It's at her size and it would give me time to do things. And she would feel like she was included because she was having her little own material. It becomes a little bit easier when children can stand or when they start walking. So uh, around one year old is, is when also things can happen. So as soon as um, a child is standing, you can start having them put things in something else. You know, they're interested in like putting a piece in another place, putting piece in a bowl. So for example, if you have cut a bunch of things on your chopping board, you, you can even give it to your one-year-old, even sometimes younger, way younger than that, and ask them, can you put it in the bowl? Can you put it in the pan? Not hot, of course, but, <laughs> <laughs> and they can help you transfer. This transferring activity starts very, very young. You can try it extremely young whenever you want. It works, it doesn't work, but keep offering until at some point you'll see that transferring becomes something very important to the child. And it's a very important work for them to develop as well. That transferring is just with the hand, but eventually as they grow, we start with spooning. So we give them a utensil and that utensil works a lot on the fine motor of the child. The grabbing of the spoon, being able to take things and keeping them in the spoon and transfer it next to it. So from a very young age, even if they're not doing the cooking with you, you can always giving them food to play with, but they're still learning from it through this transferring and scooping, spooning, pouring when it comes to liquid or even to like flour and things like that. Um, 
it is so much fun for them. They experience a lot and experiment. And for you, it's either they're helping or they're just doing something parallel to you, but you're still together. So you're still doing it like as a family activity and it's still kind of fun and maybe sometimes it's going to get messy, but you're having fun. It doesn't matter. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of flour around. And, but I think that as they grow, then you meet them in their development. So then you give them even more trust into trying to do or reproduce what you do because that's what they want to do. They want to do like us. Um, they want to try different things. So they're going to want to, you know, chop eventually <laughs> and you know around like two year old two years old and sometimes even a little bit before they are interested in trying to cut so instead of waiting until they start grabbing our own knives that should be away from them then maybe we can put at their level the right tools so they can start cutting yes, so it's just yeah. like going with them growing with them but there is definitely not a two young of an age you know as i'd say as long as they can sit by themselves and it gets even easier as they stand by themselves and walk and there's lots they can do and it can also go to cleaning cleaning the table is part of the kitchen activities huh? mm -hmm. give them cloth that are at their level available in the kitchen give them a little bit of water or a little something to spray and they can wash the table before setting up the table. You know, there are different things that they can, they can do. They can wash the counter behind you as you Oh, look, I put a little bit of tomato on the counter. What about you go grab a cloth and you can like wash it for me while I'm putting everything on the stove. They can totally participate from a very young age. Oh my God, such good ideas. Um, I love that you're including them in cleanup because you're right, that's a really important part. And even, you know, setting the table, I'm sure you probably agree that's also a really good, you know, introductory activity to dinner. So it almost all continues. And again, getting them involved at these different stages, it's only going to benefit really. And a lot of times too, we think they have to really be doing something. Like they have to be productive. They have to chop these, this cucumber, let's say, so that I can use it in my salad. Well, you can just give them a cucumber to even hold if they're very young and maybe pretend you're, you're, they're washing it or scrubbing it, or they can, you know, do that. But maybe it's not even what you're using. You can continue on. I'm just thinking time-saving activities too. You can continue on doing your thing, prepping the full salad. Maybe it's done and all they've done is just held and played with the cucumber or scrubbed it or washed it or, you know, done something. And that way they feel like they're participating. They're getting some experience, but it's not even holding you back. So I just kind of thought of that. I was like, oh, that might be a good tip for people who are like, but it's going to take too much time. So I think that might be something to try. Speaking of tools. So you said, you know, make sure, making sure of course that you have age appropriate tools. What are some of the, like, do you have any specific types or brands or, you know, things that you might purchase or you found to be really convenient and good to use in the kitchen that parents can maybe stock up at home with? I, I made a video like a month ago about what we have in our kitchen. And I don't really think that I have a specific brand except for plates and bowls. Plates and bowls, we have the one from Ikea. They are technically a dining set to play, to, for pretend play. But they're actually breakables, which we love because breakables teach our children consequences on how to handle things in our hands. Carrying one thing at a time with both hands is very important from the start. And if you don't do that, or then just learning that sometimes we make mistakes, oops, the plate fell and it broke. 
you know, and that consequence is very, very important to learn from a very young age, because if they, um, if they actually learn it quite young, then they'll be more careful, really young as well. Um, I don't think Alexis has dropped anything in like, I don't know, months, and she's two and a half. But she's had those little IQ plays since she was, I don't know, 10 months. And they are still very, uh, they're not, they don't shatter which is great for safety if something breaks. Um, they don't break easily either. So there's room for mistakes. There's room for improvement. But I really love them. And yeah, use breakables as much as you can. Um, I'd say from, you know, yeah, 10 months. It's, it's okay as long as you're around. And other than that, I mean, like I said, we usually have a basket with a chopping board and wavy choppers. You have a handle that the child can really hold and then they push up and down, which is uh, something that they can do quite young yeah. and stop chopping. And like you said, whether it is, whether it is that you're going to use what they chopped in your cooking or if it's just an activity for them to practice, does not matter. You're still doing it together. Um, and then they have their plates that they can take to set up their own tables. They have their glasses, their pitchers with water. They have their cloth to wash the table. They have a basin to put their dirty dishes because sometimes they're done before we are. And we have two drawers. We have one drawer for, I'd say, uh, baking, cooking. So we have mixing spoons, wooden spoons, uh, silicone, child-sized spatulas. All these, I think that personally, I find if you go regularly to something like Canadian Tire, mm. they often have the smaller handle, like so child size. They're actually for adults, but they're just smaller and they work really wonderfully for children. After that, we have another drawer for cutlery. So in the cutlery, we have um, knives and forks and spoons, child-sized. They have a really great set at Ikea. I recommend it. But you can find some on Amazon too. That might be sometimes, you know, more of what you're looking for. There is a brand, and I can't remember, Avon. Do you know Avon? I think it's... They have, like, they use bamboo and silicone. So there's, like, a recycling idea Mm -hmm. behind their utensils. They have those really nice bamboo plates with uh, divided in three. Yes, yes. Um, And then they also have spoons, and and those are really great for young babies, I found, Mm -hmm. with the silicone spoon, Mm -hmm. because they can also kind of like use them as teethers at the same time when they are at the table with you. These are really liked when she was a young child. And then it's just make sure it's child size, just because if you give them a big fork, then it's a lot harder for them to learn properly. And then it gets frustrating when it doesn't necessarily need to be. So little spoons, little forks, little knives, butter knives, very, um, a very great activity for spreading, spreading cream cheese, spreading butter, all these things are really available in our kitchen for uh, them to use and their go-tos, you know? So you have to think in terms of like, what do we need? We need to set up the table. Do they have everything they need to set up the table? Their bowls, their plates, their cutlery, their glasses. And then in terms of cooking and baking, um, you can find uh, even Superstore has them once in a while. Those nice silicone uh, little baking sets and you have different type of spoons and spreading um, baking tools. I really like them. 
So then everything's available. Make sure it's at their height in the kitchen and not in a way higher drawer that they can't really reach without having to, you know, go on a chair and put themselves at, at risk. The two drawers that they use are uh, the one at the bottom. And then we just have a special shelf for um, plates and dishes and things like that. Wow. Okay. Super, super helpful. So I agree. I think Ikea is a great spot, hey, because it's, it's cheap and you can find a lot of child size and yes. appropriate things. So what I think I might do, um, because I know people are going to ask me, but I need, I need like a maybe exact kind of brands. I know it helps them out a lot. So I can kind of create a little freebie. I will link it in the show notes. And then you can, for all you listeners out there, you can download the uh, freebie and just get maybe some of our favorites. I'll collaborate with Adeline. We can kind of make a little list of our favorite items um, or similar items to what we might find here locally even that you can use to start stocking up your kitchen with. Absolutely. So Adeline, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with us today and giving us all this insight. It was so, so helpful. And um, is there any other tips that you have for us or any way that we can connect with you on Instagram? Maybe I know you have a lot of great stories that you do regularly on there. Um, yes, well, I, we have the school Instagram, which is Shemahe Montessori, but that's more related to what we do in the school. But it has some, you know, insights on what's happening and how we deal with it. But I have the Instagram for more like a consultation to help with parenting tips and well-being and um, what we can do with uh, our children. And it's Maritime Montessori Mom. So I have like lots of stories and um, lots of little posts on activities you can do with your child and how to work around independence and communicate with your child and things like that. And things for parents just as, you know, adults too, because one of my thing lately, especially in the times we are going through, I realized that we ask a lot from parents but we don't necessarily know how to help them just be who they are so their full can for the, so their cup can be full before they can be the compassionate patient parent that they want to be and that, that sometimes they don't know how to be. So I, I love trying to work with parents like that to try to, you know, make sure that you are taking care of yourself, well being first, and then you'll be the parent that you wanna be and you'll be able to create this environment we've been talking about. Yes. Amazing. Okay. I will definitely link your Instagram in the show notes as well. So everybody can go check that out. Um, I know you have lots of helpful stuff on there. So once again, thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 